The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1 with Elevon Merchant Services. Growing your business is easy peasy with us by your side. Good morning all, this is Ryan Tubbard with you. It is Wednesday morning, it is the 30th of March 2022 at four minutes past nine. Great to have your company till 10 o'clock. Text number 51551, email ryan at rte.ie. Well done to Stephen Kenny's team last night. Delighted, very nice fella, great result. Um, 96 minutes, your nerves will be gone, but nevertheless, doesn't matter. Wins a wins a wins a win against Lithuania and as the uh, Irish Times um Back page sports headline says it's the late late Troy show, which of course caught my eye. Did it not? Uh, so well done, uh, Troy Parrot and the team. And I just have a good feeling after things against Belgium as well at the weekend. You just think maybe this could be the beginning of the new era in Irish soccer, one that uh, scores in uh, you know two all wins um, at home and one nil wins against Lithuania. So here's our hoping. Um, the, the Will Smith story is kind of drifting a little bit. Jim Carrey, who we'll know from 5,252 5, uh, different films we watched when we were younger, uh, has been talking about it. And actually, he's, to be honest with you, he's not happy. I was sickened. I was sickened by the standing ovation. I felt like Hollywood is just spineless, en masse. And uh, it just, it really felt like, oh, this is a really clear indication that uh, we're not the cool club anymore. There you go. He was talking uh, on CBS uh, the, the other morning and he just he's going, nah, it's not cool. I'm not happy about it at all. One of the subplots to it, if you want to call it that, is um, the discussion and debate around alopecia, uh, which we spoke about here that very morning. And a woman who hid her own alopecia for 17 years has said that she now feels more confident to go out without a wig after the Oscars uh, controversy raised awareness. So there's, she, I'm sure she's not the only one uh, when you think of the fact that the whole planet was talking about this story. Uh, but this particular person, Laura Mathias, said that she hoped other bald people, as she says, can take a stand in defiance of Chris Rock's jokes. The positive thing from this awful incident is that so many more people know about alopecia. She says, I normally get very anxious going out without a wig, but now I feel like enough people know about the condition and wouldn't presume I have cancer or some other illness, even though it's not necessarily a problem either, but, but they look at me with pity. She said, Will Smith did the right thing in making it clear that joking about his wife's hair loss was not appropriate, but she wishes... And I think most people think this, really, that he had done it with words instead, as we said on the very morning. So, uh, but as I say, there's a slight uh, sense of good news in that story. So Donald Trump, let's just, he plays golf, a lot of golf. And he was playing golf at the weekend with, among, among others, uh, Ernie Els, who golfers will know is one of the great golf players of his generation and all that sort of thing. Anyway... Turns out, word gets out, he, he, Donald Trump hit a hole in one. And the first thing people say when they hear that is, no, he didn't. I said, no, he did. Do you have video footage of it? Well, we have video footage, and you can look it up, of him collecting the ball from the hole. Okay. So why don't you believe it then? Because it's Donald Trump. <laughs> so there's a disbelief issue here. Uh, golf fans are a little bit uh, suspicious about it 
But he, as far as he's concerned, he hit the ball, uh, one shot, and it went straight into the hole. Um, in the hole. And this is, according to CNN, uh, on Monday night, the, the former president put the rumours that it was a f- uh, hoax to rest in the most Trumpy way possible. So he re- the statement reads something like this. And many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now, it's 100% true. So he's saying that this is completely true. It took place, he says, this is Trump's own words, at Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind, he added. I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently, his own words, into a rather strong wind with approximately five feet of cut, where, whereupon it bounced twice and then went clank into the hole. Beautiful, beautiful thing. So, these are great words. He's, he's writing it like, it's, it's, it's Herman Melville. This is his Moby Dick, if you'll excuse the expression. And he absolutely wanted to let the world know it happened. After noting that he had been playing with several professional golfers, including Ernie Els, winner, winner of four majors and absolutely 72, approximately 72 other tournaments throughout the world, Trump said this about his shot. These great tour players noticed it before I did because their eyes are slightly better. But on that one hole only, their swings weren't. So he's now calling them out for being brutal at golf because he's... <laughs> Trump's director of communications, Taylor Budowich, tweeted a video of Trump collecting his ball from the hole immediately after the putting. This is a, a audio of that type of Trump heading towards a little windy because there was a soft wind, which was the only thing stopping what could have been even more magnificent. President made a hole-in-one. 180 yard 5 iron. Oh, sick. Yeah. Big there. That's great. There it is. That's great. Thank you. You know what? If if he did it, he did it. Like fair play. I'm not a golf guy, so I don't really know how, but I presume that's pretty impressive. And um, you know, if he did, he did and 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 good on. But but we're just so skeptical cuz no one knows what to believe anymore about anything. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I heard that they, there, there was a DUP opera based on, on an opera. But essentially, ba- it's doing really well. They're looking at the, at the examiner today. It's called Abomination, a DUP opera. Um, gets four stars in the examiner, in the, in the review today. It's, it's in the uh, Abbey Theatre. And I was fascinated because I, I didn't know, how do you make a, an opera out of the DUP? And sure enough, um, there's the, it, it, it goes on to say that it is uh, what this is is you take the homophobic and transphobic words by Northern Irish politicians and mix them with orchestral music and cabaret and drag and now move this concoction to Ireland's leading cultural institution and here you have it Connor Mitchell's award winning Abomination a DUP opera is coming well it's there it's in the, it's in the Abbey now the reviews are in and the, the opera comments um Features comments made by members of the DUP combining political satire with cabaret and drag performance um, created by Conor Mitchell, Northern Irish composer and produced by the Belfast Ensemble and Outburst Queer Arts, an organisation that supports hundreds of LGBTQ plus artists and performers. And the show won Best New Opera Production at the Irish Times Irish Theatre Awards and gained a five-star review in The Observer. And, um, yeah, it was inspired by a comment made by DUP MP Iris Robinson, remember her, in which she deems homosexuality an abomination. 
and suddenly you have the music and Cathy Desmond reviews it today overall she says while I would have liked more of the burlesque cabaret elements this was a skillful, well-crafted operatic piece that brings recent events into sharper focus over a tight 70 minute running time so it's not going to um, take 70 minutes is not bad going for something do you want to hear how it sounds I'm sure you do this is the uh, DUP opera So that's currently playing at the Abbey Theatre, Abomination, a DUP opera. Honest to goodness. Um, uh, now, what have we got? Max, Mos- Max Mosley, former guest of ours in the Late Late Show, who died. Um, the coroner's report has returned. Formula, Formula, former Formula One boss. Um, he, what happened is, this is a kind of tragic story in, in, in many respects. He had been uh, ill with cancer. Um, he had a final meal with his wife. He wrote a suicide note and he shot himself in the head uh, because he didn't want to, to die of uh, outrageous, extraordinary pain. He exhausted all the treatment options. Um, doctors had told him he likely had a very limited life expectancy. Uh, he'd been moved to palliative care. Uh, he developed diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, cancer-affecting immune cells uh, for some years ago. So he contacted his personal assistant the night before he was found dead to tell him about his decision to kill himself and he could not be persuaded and had formed a settled intent. This is the language of the court to try and get around explaining what happened. And the inquest also heard from Mosley's relatives um, that Max Mosley had said to them in, in the days before he died that his biggest achievement as far as he's concerned was as president of the Federation Internationale de l'Automobile and he said that the promotion of road safety and green technology in Formula One was his crowning achievements. He was the son of the 1930s British fascist leader Sir Oswald Mosley and had complained for tighter press regulation after winning £60,000 damages from the News of the World when it wrongly published a story alleging he had attended a Nazi-themed orgy, if you remember. Um, and um, that, that was, I think that was why he was on the Late Late Show at that time. Um, now, the lads were telling me upstairs, because they all seem to be quite expert, on this idea of kink-shaming, that you, you can't you know, knock somebody for whatever they're into, whatever they're having themselves. Kink-shaming is the, is the latest of the hyphen-shamings words that you can put on. It's kind of the modern version of gate. Uh, Joe Biden has signed legislation that designates lynching as a federal hate crime. How about that? The law follows more than 100 years and 200 failed attempts by US lawmakers to pass anti-lynching legislation. That's pretty pathetic, isn't it? The Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act is named for the black teenager whose brutal murder in Mississippi in 1955 helped spark the civil rights movement. And three Republicans, this is uh, telling in itself, three Republicans... Uh, voted no um, to the passing of this bill and that were uh, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, Chip Roy of Texas and Andrew Clyde of Georgia that tells their own story. God help us. And they argued that it was already a hate crime to lynch people in the US. I would have thought missing the point but lynching is, uh, as you know, murder by a mob with no due process of or rule of law and across the US thousands of people, mainly African Americans, were lynched by white mobs often by hanging or torture. If you ever hear the song, it's referenced in this piece uh, by 
Billie Holiday called Strange Fruit. And it's referring to the fruit being the uh, black men that were hanged in the trees and kids would see, look up and see this strange fruit. It's very, very sad. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze, as the lyric goes. Um, it's, it's, it's worth a listen for, for various reasons. But I, again, I always say this, if I was a history teacher, I would be telling them about this and I'd be playing that song and saying, isn't that extraordinary because you've got to bring the story alive. On that subject, by the way, I thought uh, Norma Foley's moves on the Leaving Cert were really progressive and really good. I'm always giving out about the Leaving Cert. It's an exam I despise. I think it's cruel. I think it's too much. And I think that this is a really good move in the right direction. 60% of the exams going to be written. I was talking to my own youngest, who's, who, who won't be part of that system because she's been going into uh, Leaving Cert next year. But just uh, she... she as a straw poll, loved it. And this idea of being able to study film and, and, and TV, but also uh, the climate change and, and so forth. Yeah, I thought it was a really good move. Hats off. Um, credit where it's due. And I think it's due there this morning. Um, OK, and actually I see that fast fashion. Europe is cracking down on fast fashion through proposals to make the clothing made and worn more uh, the, here uh, more durable and reusable and re- uh, reparable and recyclable. And that's what it is. But the, the kicker I thought was at the end of this piece, which it's estimated that less than 1% of all clothing worldwide is recycled. Less than 1%. And we talked to Santos yesterday about this and... Uh, and how it might work and it's um, it's worth thinking about that I am thinking about that a lot more uh, but I suppose that's because my advisors being my uh, uh, my youngest my, my two sorry uh, are great advisors and that the next generation are much better at this than my generation are uh, speaking of which and recycling uh, Paul McQuaid was on to us we've mentioned him yesterday uh, thank you for your kind words on the show about our effort to find bikes for Ukrainian refugees yesterday I dealt with wow uh, 116 WhatsApps pledging bikes, 92 emails, 44 texts, 34 phone calls. We took delivery of 11 bikes. I also did three repairs to all those people who made the effort to contact me yesterday. Thank you. You gave me a great night's sleep last night. Uh, and this is great. So that's River Cycles beside the James Joyce Bridge uh, on Usher's Island. And uh, we spoke to Paul this morning. He says it's very busy. So be patient. And actually... I, I, somebody got in touch with me on Instagram uh, privately to say, and that's why I like Instagram because sometimes it's, it might, might, might be a younger uh, type of, uh, of service user, but they said, they often do it that way. My mammy heard you on the radio this morning. So uh, about the bikes and where do we go with that? Uh, so I'll, uh, there, you know, it will pass on the words. It's, uh, it's river cycles. So look them up and get busy. If any golfer, says Nikki, hits over 100,000 shots over a lifetime, one is statistically probable to be a hole in one, whether that's Trump or me. Uh, check out Arena on radio on uh, last week. They had a very good interview with the lead singer of the DUP opera. Thank you for that. Regarding the hole-in-one, a, a guy wrote a book called Commander in Cheat. It deals with Trump's golf cheating, says Walter. Uh, that's written by Rick Riley. And I think um, Bill Clinton had a bit of a reputation for that kind of like, um, I think the ball landed here, landed over there, uh, Mr. President. No, no, I believe it landed over here. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No, that's okay, but I feel... Yeah, all right. 19 minutes past nine. We have a humdinger of a guest for you this morning. Her story is... It's fascinating. A little grisly, I suppose you could call it that, but um, I think you're, you're going to enjoy when we introduce her to her, Lucy East Hope. She's standing by in London, but I cannot wait to talk to her because she's written this book that... It's fascinating. And um, so stay tuned for that. 
Uh, I thought the home of the year last night, the, that beautiful home in Cork, was a worthy winner. I think um, I thought it was really good. Thank you to Gail, who got in touch as well about her beautiful house. And she kind of made a point, and it wasn't necessarily the point she was making, but we were talking about it. Over. We love home of the year, um, and um, uh, the judges are just uh, superlative this year. I, that was the word I'd use. They're just doing really well. And um, sometimes, though... And maybe, maybe, maybe someday I'll, I'll I'll be a guest home of the year judge, and only on the basis that I'm a, I'm a real person, and they're all so caught up in, you know, the design and the technique and the architecture, they've might have lost a tiny little bit of sight of the fact that it is called home of the year and not house of the year, and there is an enormous difference between a house and a home because you could have a one bedroom shack that is more homely than a fifty five bedroom coastal architectural triumph and I'd much rather be in the shack having a beer and the crack than in a big ghastly soulless anyway you get the idea it's a great series and I thought the White House won last night in Cork I thought it was really 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 beautiful and all these little tweaks and if you don't watch it look at it back it's on the player it's really good now what to do oh yeah because we're going to have a little Liverpoolian uh, twist to the story today let's go so fairy Cross the Mersey Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay That's uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers and Ferry Cross the Mersey and uh, been to Liverpool a few times and it's a fun city and a very Irish city and that, says Laura, is a great blast from the past. Jerry and the Pacemakers, good, nice memories there. Is it April Fool's Day? Uh, Maureen and Mohill wants to know what the, about the uh, DUP opera. What will poor Jeffrey think of the opera? No, April Fool's Day is a couple of days away. That is, uh, that's the real deal. Uh, you should read the background stories. Is another from JOC uh, to this, the writer of Strange Fruit. It's originally a poem called Bitter Fruit, uh, written by the Jewish schoolteacher Abel Mirapol under the pseudonym... Lewis Allen in response to lynching in US southern states. I will listen to Billie Holiday later on now in light of that uh, legislation being passed and it'll have a certain resonance today more than more than before. All right, uh, that guest I told you about standing by in London, so let's uh, take this quick break. The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1. 40 minutes to 10 o'clock. I saw the DUP Abomination Opera on Monday night in the Abbey. Says a text. It's really good and loud. Lots of surreal, fun moments and a clever show about a serious topic. Brilliant cast and many, many big high notes. Here's another clip from it where Stephen Nolan, the interviewer, is talking to Iris Robinson about, I suppose, the gay question, if you will. The DUP MLA Iris Robinson is with us this morning. Good morning to you. The people who are likely to attack gay people, Iris, if they had been listening to you the other day when you were on this programme and you described homosexuality as an abomination, do you think it might have just encouraged them to go ahead? First of all, Stephen, can I just say how I mean, it, it feels like we could have we, we could sing tomorrow's show and see how that works. But uh, that is from Abomination, and um, it is uh, it's getting rave reviews. Uh, the snippet you played from DUP musical Ab- Abomination sounds quite similar to Carmen Baruna, Baruna, Barana, 
that is the old Spice ad yes back in the day you might be too young I'm not I do sadly remember that and uh, it's got that lovely uh, horror show uh, horror show horror film (laughs) uh, feel to it which is uh, well spotted okay uh, we have more to talk about and more to do so let's take a quick piece of music from this legend in the trees it's coming Big fan of The Telegraph, I think. Um, probably gets a daily subscription. There you are, but a terrific song, great artist, uh, Hounds of Love. Uh, here's an email from Trish Buckley. says, I just want to give a big shout out to Ola, who has just moved to Grange, County Sligo, with her children and her sister and her sister's family from Ukraine. Thankfully, their mother joined them last week. And I met her at Una Doherty's beauty salon in Sligo. I was Ola's first client. And I want to give a shout out to Una as well, who gave her the job. So Ola explained to me that when she arrived to her host family, Una, the hairdresser, was also there to welcome them and immediately offered her the job. Brilliant, practical, helpful, kind. And Una welcomed her to her salon with open arms, as did Super Value and Grange, where her sister and son are now both working. This is great stuff. Throughout my treatment with Ola, we laughed and we cried. And Ola told me how her husband FaceTimes them every day and even shows his daughter her little hamster that she had to leave behind. And uh, they are incredibly grateful for the kindness and that the Irish people have shown them. And I was honoured to have met Ola. And I told her I'll be back in Sligo within the next few weeks for another appointment with her. So anyone, says Trish, who needs the eyes or the nails taken care of, you know what to do. Think of Ola in Una Doherty's beauty salon in Sligo. Isn't that great? So whether it's bikes in Dublin or nails in Sligo, the welcome is large and hearty and, and, uh, and generous. Marin and Waterford says this song Kate Bush biggest just what was needed this morning we're prancing in the prancing to Kate Bush we should have played Running Up That Hill for the Climate Charity we won't play that on Friday Susan good morning to you Hi Ryan lovely to speak to you and to you too you heard uh, the chat with Lucy I did yes very interesting very interesting person my goodness what a job Um, yeah tell me what struck you about that I, I, I would have been aware of all of that I work for Erlingus Mm-hmm. And I would have been kind of involved um, uh, in a volunteer basis um, in some of that because all of the airlines would have to have a disaster management plan in place and a lot of the staff would volunteer in various different sections to help out. Really? Uh, and, yeah, uh, if and when, God forbid, something never happens. Of course, so. of course. It, 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 because we kind of walk through life so blithely, not wanting yes. to think about this, yes. uh, somebody somewhere has to be the adult in the room and say, you know what, if the plane goes down, you know, or if this thing happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me about, in a kind of practical sense, Susan, what your involvement is in, in kind of in this, in this area. Um, initially, I used to be, I was a volunteer with the family support group. So they would have um, been sent out to wherever the uh, incident would have happened and you would have been there to support the family in practical ways, not in a counselling way. Mm. Um, and I work in the finance department and I'm now part of the emergency response for the finance department. So um, if and when something ever happened, it would impact, obviously, not just the plane going down, but it impacts the airline as a whole and all of your operations. So every area would have to have its own um, response team because every area would be impacted in different ways. So like you'd have maintenance and engineering, they would have to have a go team that have to be sent out to the site. Yeah. Finance have to have a go team because we have to supply 
um, and support all the families that are affected. Um, and obviously the crew as well, the crew would have a go team. So it, it impacts all the different um, areas. And then, of course, you have to organise a flight to get people out to wherever the incident has occurred. Um, so there's a, there's a huge um, job involved of getting all the moving parts together. Mm. Um, and then we'd be there initially, but then, as I said, Kenyan come in. They are one of the major um, crisis management uh, teams in the world. And they would be, they've, they're the ones really that would, uh, would come in when there's a major disaster. It was interesting. What I found interesting about your guest was I had been on a course with one of the members from Kenyon who had been at the site of the Eurowings tragedy where the pilot had flown the plane into the side of the mountain. Oh. And she had spoken at length about what was involved and how it affected everyone. And they had teams on the side of the mountain picking up every single piece, every body part, every piece of wreckage, every piece of luggage. Everything has to be retrieved and people, and it all has to be, then all of the, the body parts have to be identified and they all have to be sent back to the families. All of the items, they're entitled to everything back. So it is, a, it's a huge, it's a huge um, commitment and the Kenyan are really the specialists in the area, whereas we'd be on site initially, they would come in then and, and virtually take over then the running of the the incident as such. And do you have you been called into service in this regard at all, Susan? No, Not thankfully. No, yeah, no, that no. is thankfully, but but you're well trained in the event of. No, we're all, yeah, no, yeah. we only had um, an emergency response there a couple of months ago Okay. Um, with the start of the new Manchester route, so they ran one uh, to start because it was a new airport and that, so we had one and it was kind of it unfolded as in real time. And is so it is it when, the incident was happening? When you say uh, it's voluntary, it, it, it's, does that mean you don't get paid extra to be? No, no, it's all voluntary. We all volunteer. I just, I just, I, I kind of know voices, and when I speak to people, and you strike me as somebody who'd be brilliant in a crisis situation just by your voice, like there's no faffing. This is what it is. You're not going to be phased. Uh, so um, yeah, I think you're on the on the small. Based on the small amount of time we've had together to talk, I think you're probably oh, thanks, very good. perfect for the job. No, but I, as I said in the text, like sometimes it isn't the initial trauma that causes so so much distress. It's how people are treated afterwards, and that's really important yeah. in well. how you respond to the crisis. And as you've been talking about all week about the Ukrainians, it's it's not even just the trauma of what they've gone through with arriving in a new country yeah. and everything that they have to face. So it's not always the initial trauma that causes you know, so much pain and distress. It's how people are treated afterwards. Yeah. Aftermath. You're, 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 it's it's you have a big it. thing. You have it in yeah. one. And obviously the training yeah. has served you well and uh, I'm glad you're there, to be honest with you. Susan, it's lovely to talk to you. Wish you well. And you too, Ryan. Mind yourself. Thank you so much. See you Take soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mary McNamara, who says you should see the 2013 film Still Life by Uberto Pasolini, starring Eddie Marsden. And it's a dramatisation of the lonely life of a man dealing with deceased effects for London County Council, along the same lines as your chat with Lucy about her book. OK, thank you for that. Uh, but we have to say, oh, no, we're not quite gone yet. There's a whole, there's a whole other minute uh, left to tell you some other bits and pieces, including... Uh, from Kay who says enjoy the interview and you're going to buy the book speaking of Grenfell there's a great song by the Irish band When Young called The Others and it speaks very clearly about the double standards evident in our society well worth a listen and a terrible pity that more people don't take the sentiments to heart and act on the inequality thank you for that Kay and Magella Foley uh, meanwhile in another world 
uh, is now dancing around the house in the little island of Bahrain in the Middle East. Good Lord. I mean, here we are in our little cellar here in the, in the, in the dungeon of hope in, in, the, in the bowels of, of the RT radio centre. And there you are dancing around your house in the Middle East. You've catapulted me back to 1985. I played Hounds of Love, that album, over and over on vinyl, of course. There you are, Magella. Have a beautiful day and thank you for being in touch today. But it's 10 o'clock. I've got to say goodbye. Stay tuned to Claire Byrne. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. The Ryan Tuberty Show. Listen back on the RTE Radio Player.